I V M. Hey guys, welcome to Marbles Lost and Found. I'm Zane and I'm Avanti. And today we'll be discussing a fairly important topic I'd say that I think a lot a lot of people in some way or the other may deal with or relate to is eating disorders and body image. Because I think Avanti, what is your take on this? I feel like there's a lot, especially on social media now, a lot of pressure based on how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to feel and Hashtag self care. Hashtag yoga. Hashtag this. Hashtag oh, don't get me started on that f-ing yoga shit. <laughs> Insta yogis. Oh God, yes. I can't. And the amount of pressure that can that can be put on people for that. And so today we have um, a guest with us who's also a psychotherapist mm-hmm. by trade, Ishita Pateria. Hi, Ishita. Hi, Zine. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for joining us today. Of course. <laughs> and um, we're going to try and delve a little bit into eating disorders and body image, what that does for our self-esteem, what it means for us as people, and so on. So I think, you know what, let's just start a little bit more um, um, informative, I- I'd say. Ishita, what, what would you... Think, what would you, yeah. yeah, what is your 101 on eating? On eating disorders, yeah. yeah. So I think the most common eating disorders that we see um, in general and also in India is uh, anorexia and, and bulimia. Mm-hmm. So anorexia per se is when you start restricting yourself from eating um, or anything that gives you energy really. So eating and drinking and anything sugary, anything at all. And you're kind of preoccupied with your the aspect of gaining weight all the time. Mm-hmm. And you also sometimes see your body in a very different way to what it actually looks like. So much of the time is actually spent on how you're not going to eat or how you're going to do other things. And in doing that many times, um, you can even start becoming a perfectionist in other parts of your life. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is with the preoccupation of not eating and with weight gain. Okay. Bulimia, on the other hand, is when um, you either binge and then you purge mm-hmm. or you purge in general and, um, and pur- by purging you mean vomiting yes for the, okay and um, or sometimes people even take laxatives and stuff like mm-hmm. that right. um, so either way but it has to come out of your body and for bulimia many people what they don't realize is that you may actually not lose as much weight because mm-hmm. at the end of the day your body is still digesting some of the food that you've eaten mm-hmm. but what it actually does is that it messes up with your esophagus because it actually starts um, scaling it right mm-hmm. and because that of causes, all the acid that's yeah. in your stomach that's, that's constantly your, coming yeah. up right? and your liver and your kidneys yeah. yeah right and so now as a general overview what are there any sort of um, preconceptions or ideas that people have about eating disorders here what do you feel is something that people have the wrong idea about generally what are the trends you've sort of seen be it you know around you or maybe so I think for a lot of people people only notice that you're suffering from an eating disorder if you've gone under a certain amount of weight Mm -hmm. but actually it depends on how much weight you have lost so for example if someone is quite large and if they've still unhealthily lost that weight they could still be suffering from an eating disorder even though technically on your BMI you're a normal weight right but um so and many people think that only when you're looking really skinny mm. that's that when there's, mm-hmm. there's a, a problem. problem right but it it's actually a lot more complicated than that and something which is really serious is that most people who suffer from an eating disorder it's very hard to actually get cured 
because most people oh, only go get help <laughs> when it's really severe. Okay. Because um, normally, if you're, you know, if you're dieting or if you're looking better, it's encouraged. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when you're encouraged for that long, and then suddenly somebody comes and tells you now stop, it's yeah, not so easy. Exactly. So to that end, that was my next question. So what, what do you say to the people who would? If they notice someone who may be losing weight in an unhealthy way and they just say, man, just stop doing this to yourself. What's wrong with you? What is the general response that, you know, if someone does have an eating disorder, what would they typically respond to that with? Or And what would you say is a better way to approach someone who may have an eating so disorder? So most people would, it would be straight up denial. They would be, I mean, they would make up excuses. They would say we're eating healthy. We're watching what we eat. We're not just eating junk. Mm. Any excuse that they, or we've already eaten. There are many ways of doing that. Mm. Um, they'll point out on how unhealthily you are eating and mm. actually make it about you rather than themselves. Right. Mm. But rather than actually pointing out saying stop, I think what's better to do is actually educate them about what they're doing, mm. how they're looking and being positive about that. Because what happens is that when you're starting to look good, if, you're, if you've lost a, a lot of weight and if you're feeling confident because that kind of yeah. comes with that, then if somebody tells you to stop doing what's making you feel good, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of get swayed into it becoming really, really bad, but you just don't realize it. So I think the first right. step is to actually ma- help them become aware and educate them mm-hmm. about how they're looking, what they're actually doing to your body and allow them that time to kind of... B, because most people expect you to just change overnight. Snap out of it, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, do, what, what do you, you know, we were talking a little... So can I just quickly ask, is is anorexia um, always about the way you look? Or is it also about control? It's more about control. Okay. It becomes later about the way you look, but okay. it's a lot about control. So the one thing you can control is yourself and the way you eat. So yeah. that's what you focus on. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why it kind of even overlaps with OCD. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. of that, because you kind of obsess about food all day long. Right. But you don't eat it. Mm. But from, Interesting. So for okay. example, there are people from Monday who will start planning their week on how they'll skip lunch. Mm. Or what they'll do wow, when really? everybody is planning a meal. Okay. Or what can they be doing at that hour so nobody will come ask them about food. Right. So you're actually to spending. So you're actually spending a lot of time thinking about food but you're just not eating it wow as opposed to others where people think that they don't like to think about food they do Mm -hmm. so to just kind of also jump back to you know something that Avanti and I were kind of rolling our eyes about when it comes to social media and the pressures of social (laughs) media um, we also very briefly talked about another kind of I'd say newer disorder that hasn't even been you know put in the DSM book for example, a manual rather, for instance. And what could you repeat what that was, for instance? That, orthorexia. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so the, what, what is orthorexia? So orthorexia is the, um, the extreme behavior or, of obsessing over just eating healthy food. Mm-hmm. So as you know, today the trend is not so much about clean eating. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. God, I hate that term. Yeah. yeah. And in various as if there's ways, unclean eating. Just come yeah. on. So you know, yeah. but when it takes over yeah. that that's all that you're gonna do, you're not gonna waver from it. You'll stop your social commitments because of it. Mm. Your entire day kind of revolves around that. You make sure your house is like that, even when you're having guests or people over, it's just about that. Mm. It kind of takes over. So I I guess anything when done in an extreme yeah. manner yeah. is unhealthy. And this is but today, because clean eating is 
popular mm. and a fad on it's Instagram. Not, yeah, it's yeah. not looked down upon. Sure. People mm. are like, oh, what a good thing. But mm. actually, it's really unhealthy yeah. because the more... Sure, there's some foods that are better for our body than others, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you cut them out forever and you don't, right. you know, your body still needs to be... Correct. Um, it need needs yeah. variety, yeah. actually, in order to thrive. You need variety. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's dive into the more... Uh, re- but no, wait, I just, I just want to understand what, what kind of... Uh, does it take trauma or does it take a certain... Like, and I, I, mean, I use the word trauma loosely... Um, to make someone um, go down the route of an eating disorder or orthorexia? So I would say it's not, you can, trauma can be one of the things, but I think it's a lot to do with just a lot, peer pressure is Mm. one huge reason for it. Mm. Because a lot of eating disorders, I mean, it can start at any age, right? But Mm. starting from your teens to your 20s to your 30s, it can be at any point. A lot of it is to do with people around you. Mm. A lot of it to do is what is expected out of you. A lot of it is also to do about acceptance in society, in your family, just mm. in general about, and then how, kind of controlling that. A lot of it also has to do with how you've been raised mm-hmm. and your family's perspective and outlook right. on that. Yeah. So how, what, if, what are some examples that you've noticed with how families may influence a child's behavior or relationship with a potential eating disorder? So I think in in order to cause it, you mean? Yeah, yeah, in order to cause so it. So I think a lot of times in general, like, you know, in India, still, I mean, thin people are considered more attractive. Mm-hmm. So if, say, a girl is chubby, from it's not unheard of that the mother or the father or other aunts, uncles, grandparents, whatever, will start pressurizing the child about working out, eat healthy, stopping them from eating a lot of mm. things. Mm. And when you're a child, you don't recognize that. So when you stop them from eating something, you want to eat it more mm-hmm. till a point mm-hmm. that from one end of the spectrum, you bounce to the other. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why when they start losing it, eventually, I mean, initially it's encouraged. Mm-hmm. Right. I see. Mm-hmm. But then it sort of perpetuates into something much yeah. bigger later on. And a lot of it is also to actually please the parents because they feel that by doing that, then yeah. they're actually finally fitting in. Mm-hmm. I know someone who um, <clears throat> went through um, a few years when she was anorexic and it, I don't, I'm, this might sound a bit half, like a half story because I don't know all the details. Mm. But um, from what I understand, um, she was never overweight. Um, but she was slightly a little softer, mm-hmm. you know, softer than her like siblings and cousins and stuff like that. But that it was never emphasized in the family or brought up or mm. she wasn't teased or anything. But then her parents went through um, a divorce. Yeah. And uh, from what I gathered, uh, she felt completely like things were out of her control in many ways. And she started fixating on maybe the one thing that she could control, which is herself. Yeah. Do you see that a lot with your clients? Quite or? common. Mm-hmm. It's very, very common. Because one thing which is easy to control is food. Mm-hmm. Other parts of our life we can't really yeah. control as much, say, your academics or your work. It's not fully in our control. It kind of mm-hmm. depends on other aspects too. But food, definitely. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that you find pleasure in. In a way, if you think about it, it's self-harm, right? The same way people right. cut themselves to, mm-hmm. it's another way you of deprive yourself. Dip, of yeah, and then right. you feel once you actually are able to do it, you feel mm-hmm. really good about yourself, mm-hmm. and actually it gives you the confidence initially. Mm-hmm. But eventually, as your body is not getting the nutrition that it needs, mm-hmm. you actually do get depressed because the chemicals of in your course. body, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously get imbalanced, and Correct. so does other parts of your body too. 
I'm just trying to think, um, could you give us maybe a, an example of, say, an instance that, you know, maybe even you think of, like, growing up, things that you noticed around you, like I, um, um, like, be it, you know, someone in school who might have been dealing with something or the other, like, I think we briefly touched upon an anecdote like this. Do you think you can expand a little bit more on something like this? So, I think... Um it's like when you're in school and when there are people being able to do lots of different activities or they're able to just, you know, are able to fit in in ways that you think you can't, although to everybody else you fit in perfectly. Mm -hmm. But if in your mind you haven't, mm -hmm. and if you feel you want to find comfort in one thing, something that you're unable to speak to about anybody because mm -hmm. you don't know how to, mm -hmm. like how to phrase that in words. And I think it's quite common then to use that in food. Right. Because... When you're young, that's one way of, or actually any point in life, that's one way where how you socialize, you meet people, Correct. you, you know. And I think when you start focusing on food and you start reducing it, it becomes an aspect that you want to control and that's one thing that's yours. Right. So what would you say are some of the harsher things that you've noticed that some people might have said to, say, clients of yours or whatnot that probably fueled that fire made them feel worse about the fact that they were dealing with an eating disorder. It would, it's quite often that people say, you know, you're sick. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong with you. Right. Um, for especially somebody who's young or any, any person really, if you just go up to them and say that there's mentally something wrong with you, mm. that's not going to be taken very well. Right. Um, you look like you could faint at any point. Has anybody told you how ugly you look? Oh, wow. People okay. have actually said stuff like wow. that. Huh? Yeah. Oof, that's heavy. I, Have you ever seen your body and realized how skin and bones you are? Hmm. People can be really harsh to the point of saying, don't you see the influence that you will have on others? When hmm. actually what the person is doing is for themselves. Right. It's nothing to do about yeah. anybody else. Wow. I, I, I remember growing up, I think um, there was a school counselor that we had when I was in school. And there was someone that, that I knew who was dealing with, with something at that point in time. And essentially this counselor just sort of blamed them for the issue and said, you know what, you're kind of starting a trend with the other younger girls in school and giving and making them feel like they should start being, you know, having an eating disorder like anorexia or whatever it was this person was dealing with at the time. And basically said something along the lines, if you do not eat now, you are going to die, which is... I don't know. It's such a horrible... It's not very helpful. No, it's not. It's not helpful at all. <laughs> Blaming you and just saying you're going to die. Like, yeah. okay, how does this help me right now? It just makes me feel worse, I suppose. No, and also another common thing which is often said is, you know, and even parents say this or teachers or therapists is just like they're doing this for attention. Mm. Right. And a lot of times... What I ask them is, have you ever thought about why they want that attention? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Sure. It right. may be, it may, you know, it may start off as something with attention, but then it kind of goes off track. Right. But have you ever thought about why, 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 why? are they not getting the attention that mm. they want in the first place? Right. right. And one, one thing I want to ask, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, and this is also how media has portrayed it in a big way. It seems to be, again, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that statistically, the, um, it's more women who have eating disorders as opposed to men. Is that true or not? And what would you say is a more accurate statement? So it's common in men, I mean, in women, but men are quite close to it, okay. actually. Right. Because even for men, like we were just discussing about women, about how you have to, you know, fit a role and look a certain mm -hmm. way. It's the same thing for men mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. And actually food is just considered that something with men that they will eat and it's something that doesn't bother them. Right. But actually the way control, the way you look, acceptance, all of these things are the same for both genders. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and it's not common today for example when i meet teenagers or you know people in their early 20s who are you know i don't even know if they've hit puberty yet but they're skinny and they will tell me about how fat their stomach is and mm. these are guys mm. and in my head i'm just like where like yeah. i can't even see it right but they're feeling it because somebody has passed or they they're just you know a lot of times also what happens with boys is because because um women hit puberty quicker than them mm-hmm. so girls start maturing but they don't mm-hmm. mm. and so their bodies are not increasing so that's another con- control manner I that see. they start to work i mean play around with food mm. and I then see. it takes control um do you feel that the male clients that you might have who are dealing with an eating disorder there's a different they sort of approach or feel differently about their eating disorder than say your female clients is there something that uh, basically what i'm trying to get at is do gender roles in some way they play are, some yeah, sort of yeah they role? are they are slightly i think starting with just the aspect of acceptance i think it's very different when it's looked at by both genders hmm I think for women because it's spoken a lot mm. more about so you're trying to fit in from what is told to you by society mm. while for men you're trying to create your own because you're supposed to be your man and you're supposed to be your person right right so it's kind of if you if you get what I'm trying to say it works on two different ways mm. also the way um for men a lot of times it's not as much about it's when they start say restricting food mm-hmm. is often a symptom of them dealing with a problem okay um but a lot of times for them it's actually when they start eating a lot more to become a lot more masculine mm-hmm. and that's a right. problem right. because in doing that they become really really unhealthy right I and see. they start pumping all sorts of things and so it goes that sort of right. disorder and would you say that generally speaking what are the sort of trends that you or patterns that you've seen today and what do you feel generally speaking needs to be addressed when it comes to this particular area of disorders eating disorders i think the first thing that has to be talking about balance i think rather mm-hmm. than clean eating or unhealthy eating i think the first thing that we have to discuss is about balanced eating mm-hmm. because nobody looks at that yeah um you know right now people are talking about curvy is good or thin is good or all of that but i think and, i'm rolling my eyes <laughs> i'm like i'm just like F- <laughs> i hate this yeah. i hate this it really triggers me So I have to like calm down. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, But I think it's about more talking about balance, and I think actually starting that in school, actually mm-hmm. educating children about what that balance means, because that means different things to different people. Hmm. You know, some people can just genetically eat a lot more junk food and whatever, and be fine, while some others can't, and it's you. It's helping them accept that. Sure. Helping them also find out other ways of releasing their ways of control. Hmm. helping them figure out what actually acceptance means to them mm. a lot of these areas which you use food for right because at the end of the day what is an eating disorder you use it for something and then it kind of goes out of hand and then just becomes about your body looks mm-hmm. and weight mm-hmm. right but it always starts off with something very very different it mm. starts off with you finding solace in yourself yeah right so yeah. helping people figure that out mm. it's just an outlet i think food is an outlet mm-hmm. for to help you It feels like that is the most, you know, that's the common ground with virtually everything, finding some sort of solace within yourself, mm-hmm. whatever whatever the issue might be, you know, whether it's an addiction, whether it's an um say like in the context yeah. of an eating disorder, there's always this lack of acceptance yeah. of self or like resistance, something's got to change, something's got to give. I don't like this or I want that instead. It always seems to be that. Um 
I just want to kind of um, uh, finish off this particular episode with, um, I kind of want to just get your <laughs> your personal views on the influence of social media because I know it's very clear what Avanti's and my <laughs> opinions are on this. But what do you think is, and, and, I, and I'm pretty sure this definitely affects, you know, younger kids like adolescents and things like that. This whole hashtag self-care culture, which is total bullshit in my opinion. What, and I have a feeling you agree as well because you're smiling, but the things that, what is, let me put it this way. If a young person came to you and they seemed, just at the outset, they seemed, you know, reasonably healthy physically, but they still felt that something was wrong and they were right sliding down the slippery slope of having an eating disorder. What would be the thing that either as a therapist or as a person who is showing them some sort of compassion, what would you even say at that point in time? I think even, you know, sometimes like, sorry, slightly digressing from this, even sometimes from the aspect of control or just an aspect of release, if I were to use that word. Like, for example, I know people who've thrown up, not from the aspect of bulimia, but just that just helps them feel better, mm -hmm. feel more in control, doesn't make them feel as whatever they're feeling at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think when they come, it's quite common for them to come and talk about social media and talk about what they've seen their friends doing and mm -hmm. what they've seen the world doing and all yeah. your influencers all over, um, you know, the world. And, and the how, fear of missing out. And the fear of missing <laughs> out and how beautiful everything seems. Mm -hmm. When although on an intellectual level, many of them will know that's not the case. Right. But on an emotional level, that's what's being targeted. Right. Yeah. right. So when they don't get the likes or when they don't get something, it actually affects them. So actually yeah. now... One of the first questions I actually ask them is, How, what's your screen time? Mm. And mm. one of the first things I do with my clients is, okay, let's try reducing that. Right. Because mm -hmm. however strong-willed somebody is, if mm. you're watching something like that for that many hours, it's going to have an yeah. influence on you. Yeah. I mean, I'm a therapist and it impacts me as well. And it Correct. makes me question myself on many levels, many times as well. Mm. And I think social media obviously has its perks and its pros, but it comes with a lot of cons also. Yep. And this is something that we have to figure out on how to deal with because especially in teenagers, in young adults where they're still trying to figure themselves, they're still trying to figure out who they are. Mm. The influence a lot of times is negative. Right. You know, it's, it's, funny, it's funny you mentioned this because there's a particular... Um, behavior of mine that I've I'm very aware of but I still haven't been able to well to a degree I've been able to control it in that well, control mm, <laughs> the question okay. whether it's a good thing no, yeah. <laughs> wrong word okay um, I've been able to let go of it a little bit but I have noticed this where if I do find myself more in a place of self-loathing or self-doubt as compared to times when I find myself less in that space when I find myself more in that space, I'm checking my phone very often. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean social media. I'm just like, have I got a message yet? Have yeah. I got a like yet? Have I got a notification yet? Has this person replied to me on this dating app yet? Or this or that? And Because we become insecure, right? Exactly. And today our phones are our security. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're just craving that attention, you know. That's And that's what I'm doing. Like, even if I'm working and I worked for 10 minutes, yeah, okay, cool. I give myself a minute break. Have I gotten any notifications yeah. on social media or whatever? And, I'm, and as I'm doing it, I know exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. But my body is still saying, check it, check yeah. it. 
So it's a very because we're waiting for that high, yeah, that we get the, and just validation yeah. as you know exactly. people. And if you think about it, most of us first thing we do in the morning is see our phone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Last thing at night is our phone. Our phone. Yeah. You know, people on birthdays think really get upset if they don't get the number of wishes or likes or comments mm-hmm. that they. Dude, I felt that. I was like, hey, this person didn't send me a thing on their birthday <laughs> or, or, or my birthday. Or like, um, I'll, if, if I wrote someone like happy birthday on their wall, there'll be something at the back of my mind going, hey, that person didn't like my comment. What the hell? Like, It's so silly. But a lot of people think about these sort of things as small and trivial as they may be you know but i think today a lot of people are talking about it but they're not doing anything mm. about it everybody is aware of it but you're still doing it right and i, I mean and the way it's moving forward i don't see it getting better actually before we end i wanted to talk about something and i'm not sure where i'm going with this but it's something that i've been thinking about for a long time and it's the um sort of how social media is very reductive. Well, we already touched upon that, you know. Mm. But when it comes to yoga, for example, right? Yoga is so much more than asanas. And it's so much more than the body. But this focus, this hyper-focus on the body. And Mm. now you see this, you know, yoga has been like, Turn it's like become gimmicky. Mm. I don't know if you've seen like and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So everything is about trying to bend your body as much yeah. as you can mm. in that you know one moment and whatever. And yeah. oh, in the fucking like yoga tights yeah. and like I can't like I get it. Like we all do it. Mm. But what is with this fixation on the body? And I feel like it speaks to a much larger trend of like. There's so much chaos going on mm-hmm. that it's like it's the only thing we can really focus on. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we can control yeah. is our bodies. Yeah. So like, yeah. let's like make them something. And and, oh. the, and the media has just always done that, right? There's over the the decades, like we've always had these posters of this is what a man should look like, this yeah. is what a woman should look like. So we've been brought up thinking, okay, I am not attractive if I don't look like this, as opposed to. Um, Forget uh, as opposed to like literal physical appearance, we're not focusing on whether a person is healthy yeah. or not. And um, when it comes to uh, body image, for instance, like, you know, say if you have a client that is dealing, I mean, it, the ED might be a part of it, but like, you know, they're, they're very heavily focused on looking a certain looking way, a certain way mm-hmm. you know, um, how would you then like approach that client and say, you know what? Basically, just to kind of move them away from this obsession with looking a certain way. So I think first it's to help them understand what they actually want to look like. Because mm. a lot of times they say we don't like how we look. But mm. if you ask them what what do you want to actually look like, they don't really have an answer. Mm. They normally go back and they're like, oh, we'll come back next week to you and let you know. Oh, so it's not something okay, that they have in, have in mind. Even a body type, if you ask them. They'll actually say, oh, maybe a UK 8 or 10 is fine. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> you know, and then they're like, no, maybe. And I'm just like, why don't you think about it? Right. And then when they come with whatever they come with, then you help them see how some of it maybe is realistic and practical. And some of it is just not. Because mm-hmm. say if you're petite, you are petite. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be tall with broad shoulders and long legs. Because sadly, you've just not gotten the, the sure. you know, the genes yeah. of it. And you have to help them accept that. Yeah. And that's the same way with people say who are broad mm. and mm-hmm. think they, you know, they just don't like that. And that's mm. something that they have to accept that as yeah. well. Same thing is with even parts of your face or just in general how your body shape is. Because a lot of it is to first help them realize 
what they are and what they can actually achieve. Right. And once that's clear, mm. then the whole aspect of body image is a lot clearer. Clearer, mm. right. Because I think at the end of the day, most of us, mm. um, I think there are very few people who would be 100% content with how they look. Yeah. I think there is always, you know, some scope of improvement or feeling that, oh, we can do more. Right. And I think that's all right. Mm. As long as that's not taking over your life mm. or that's, yeah. you know, stopping you from doing a lot of different types of things. Mm. I think I'll just finish off this episode yeah. by just kind of like rounding off pretty much exactly what you said, where like I, when I had a recent session with my therapist and this constant narrative of, you know, I'm not good enough always comes up for me. And she asked me a very simple question, which was so simple that I never really thought of it. <laughs> but at the, And so at the same time, I didn't have an answer. And she was like, okay, so what is good enough? Mm. And I was like, uh, <laughs> hmm, I need to think about that one. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know what, that that is the simple question that it's fair to ask yourselves because that kind of allowed me to sort of shift my perspective and I think it's a good this is a good point to call it an episode thank you guys so much for listening and thank, thank you, you Ishita for you. being on board I'm Zane I'm Avanti and we'll see you guys next time on Marbles Lost and Found see ya